Hey there, future fans. This week, we have some hearing problems, some families grow while some shrink, and we learn why Hufflepuff is the best house. This is the week of November 16th, 2018, and this is episode 113 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Right, everyone welcome to the show uh, this is a late episode but I like I said I have gone back to work and while I would love to say that's the only reason this episode is late uh, my wife and I started watching started and finished watching Haunting on Hill House and oh my god what a really good show and I'm happy to say it didn't go where I thought it would even though if it went where I thought it would it would have been a lot more entertaining but the quality of the show I think is better for it. So if you have not watched this show I highly recommend it. Uh, it's on Netflix and if you like movies and TV at all you should have Netflix. And let's say it's not in your budget. Find a friend, find someone else who doesn't have it that you know and go, "Hey, well, let's let's go in on this." Or, "Hey, can I just use your login info?" There is a way. But welcome, you are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. Thus, you would assume I am Billiam and you would be right. You'd be right. I am Billiam. On this show, I go over every movie that's coming out during the week. I tell you what it's about and who's in it, and that's just for the limited releases. If it's a wide release or an indie that I think is interesting, then I'll talk about it a little more, and then I'll give it a score. A score that I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. Though that's not where we start off the show. We start off the show with the news, any new news that, have, that has happened since the last episode and any new trailers that have hit since the last episode. And as always, I miss some things. I do. I am not perfect. So let me know if I miss something, and I will always talk about it if you bring it up. Well, how do you listen to the show? That That is a good question. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app. You can find me on the Somewhat Nerdy Facebook page and website. The website is somewhatnerdy.com. And I say this every week, and every week it's true. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. It just takes a little bit of time. I would love five stars. It will help the show grow. But you know what would really, really help the show grow is if you share the podcast, share it with your friends. Go, hey, friends, friends who like movies, I know you like good things and you have impeccable taste. So why not listen to this podcast that I know called Future Flicks with Billiam when this madman, when he talks about movies. And then they'll listen to the show and go, you're right, this guy is a madman, he is crazy, but he has good points and he is entertaining. And sometimes his voice starts to die because maybe he drinks a little too much soda or, you know, beer, mixed drinks and stuff. And it's not the best. My, my years in, in theater taught me what to do to have a good voice. And uh, I don't do any of that for the podcast. I'm sorry. I like drinking too much. Well, anyway, let us get out of the opening housekeeping and let us step into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. In news that comes to us from Variety, the human side of Godzilla vs. King Kong, that cast keeps on growing. So as of now, we have Millie Bobby Brown, who we saw in the teaser. We have Alexander Skarsgård. We have Jessica Henwick, who was in Iron Fist and Luke Cage and uh, Game of Thrones. We have Denai Gurira, I think that's how you say it, from Walking Dead and Black Panther. Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights and The Conjuring. Now, don't let this get confused with Godzilla King of Monsters, which is coming out in 2019. Godzilla vs. King Kong is coming out in 2020. But the 2019 movie also has uh, Millie Bobby Brown and Kyle Chandler. Also has Bradley Whitford, Sally Hawkins, and Vera Farminga who, of course, was with Kyle Chandler, Kyle Chandler in The Conjuring. Also, O'Shea Jackson Jr. is in that one. Anthony Ramos, 
Ken Watanabe. So it looks like some of this cast is moving over, just like with the first Godzilla, the Godzilla remake. I think Ken Watanabe is the only person, one other person I think is coming with him. And then from this movie to the next one, a couple people are moving on. No word yet if Ken Watanabe is going to be in it. So we'll see either he dies or he's like, okay, I've had enough fucking huge monsters. Uh, I'm, I'm done. A live action Johnny Quest has been announced. This story from The Wrap. And this will be coming to us from director Chris McKay, who brought us the Lego Batman movie. This, of course, is based on the old cartoon from Hanna-Barbera. I really loved the real adventures of Johnny Quest. If you remember back in the 90s, there was that uh, short-lived show of only about, let me see here, da, 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 52 episodes it's, uh, that spanned two seasons. But that was just more adventures from Johnny Quest, and they went into Quest World, which is this weird computer program. So it was kind of like if Johnny Quest and Reboot had a baby. And I, I loved the show, but I, I guess it wasn't all that popular as it only lasted two seasons. Well, anyway, I'm just I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do with a live action Johnny Quest. That could be really cool. It could also be terrible, but but we'll see. Marvel Studios very own Kevin Feig announced that Eternals is going to be one of the next projects the MCU works on. He also goes on to say that it's perfect because hardly anyone knows about the Eternals. The Eternals was created by Jack Kirby after he returned to Marvel following a small stint with DC. He said in an interview that turning relatively unknown characters into mega franchises is kind of what Marvel Studios does. And he's completely right, because think about it, before... Before the MCU started, you may have known Iron Man was, you know, a thing. But unless you were actively reading comics, you didn't really give a shit. I'll be honest, I didn't give a shit. I didn't like Marvel. I wasn't a big fan. I liked Spider-Man. That was my real limit to to Marvel. Other than that, I was not a big Marvel fan. And it's thanks to the MCU that I now care. Because think about it. Who were half these people? Black Widow? Who the f*** was that? Falcon? Ant-Man? Really? Guardians of the Galaxy? The only reason I knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy were before the movie came out was because when Marvel was starting to revamp a lot of their series, Guardians of the Galaxy was one of them. And then so my local comic distributor uh, recommended it to me, so I picked it up and I thought it was cool, and that's why I knew who these people were going in. So until the MCU, Marvel was kind of the bastard child of the comic book world, just because you may have known who some of these people were, you may have read some X-Men comics when you were younger, but you, you didn't really know much unless you were an active comic reader. But you knew who Superman was. You knew who Batman was. You knew who Wonder Woman was. You knew who some of DC's biggest were. But until the MCU, no, really none of Marvel's people were household names, and now they are. So I look forward to seeing this basically unknown franchise be turned into a movie. I think, I think it'd be really cool. And of course, in Marvel news, we, we have to talk about this, even though you already know, you, you know, the minute it happened, it, it was huge news. Stan Lee passed away. He was 95 years old and God damn, that is a good run, right? I mean, that is old. So he lived a good long life. It's still sad. I still would have preferred, you know, he didn't die. Because even though he's not he's not creating anymore, it's great seeing him in these in the movies. It's great looking for his cameo. That's a huge part of every Marvel movie. And it seems it seems it's now like thanks to the MCU that he's really, really reaping the benefits of all the hard work he did over the years. And I, I have to admit that Stan Lee was never someone I thought was going to die. I know how stupid that sounds, but we all know that th there's that belief that it's true, untrue. We all know it, but we all pay attention to it, that famous people die in threes. So when two famous people die, sometimes you'll go, okay, who's the next? Well, who's really old? And you go, oh, maybe Kirk Douglas, maybe, maybe Mel Brooks, Cloris Leachman, Dick Van Dyke, Angela Lansbury. But there's certain people you just never think of, or at least, you know what, I never thought of. Because Stan Lee never came to mind, Betty White never came to mind, and they're super old. So when he died, it, it, it hit me like, oh yeah, he, he can die. Betty White can die. Some of these old actors, actresses, famous Hollywood or, or comic or book or whatever have you, all, all these older people, some of them just have this feeling that they're never going to die. And unfortunately, I think Stan Lee proved to us that yes, they can. So Stan Lee will be missed, of course. 
And I think we'll really notice, I think it will finally hit us when we no longer see his cameo. When that first movie comes that we no longer see his cameo. Uh, speaking of, uh, Stan Lee has already fin- finished his uh, Avengers 4 cameo, so he's going to be in that. Actually, a website called NME announced that um, not only Avengers 4 has their Stanley cameo already done, but Captain Marvel has the Stanley cameo already done. And apparently the MCU or, you know, those behind it have been filming Stanley cameos in groups. So who knows? Maybe his Spider-Man Far From Home, maybe his uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix, or if he, you know, if he be in that, maybe those cameos are already done. So who knows when we will see the final one? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the news. Let us step into the next segment, which is the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. All right, we have a trailer for Mowgli. Mowgli. Some things have changed since we last heard about this movie. We now know that the the title has been changed. It's now Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. And now it's also a Netflix movie. Because I noticed a while back, I no longer saw posters in my local theaters. Because for a while, I, I, I've seen posters for it. And now they've all been taken down. And I think that's because this is not going to get a wide release anymore. I think this is because this is going to be a Netflix movie. And we're going to see it on Netflix first. So this is the one done by Andy Serkis. And the one he defends. Because, you know, we, we've seen that one from Disney. Maybe Maybe you haven't seen it, but you knew it came out. And in his defense, or defending himself, Andy Serkis said he his vision for the Jungle Book is different. But unfortunately for him, I think it's too late. I think the fact that Disney beat him to the punch was the, was the nail in the coffin for this movie. So this may never see a theater now, but it will see the small screen if you do choose to watch it. And this has a, a vocal cast, not as big as the Disney one, but a good one. This has Christian Bale, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kate Blanchett, and Andy Serkis. Uh, this comes out December 7th. And you know what? I wanted to like it. I, I really wanted this to be the hidden gem that this would come out and we would go, wow, this was so much better than the other one. And then it would it would make waves or it'd be impressive and it would make Andy Serkis's career take off even more. But unfortunately, this doesn't look good. This just looks like a lesser version of the Disney one. So we have a trailer for that, and it looks meh. Uh, Captain Marvel has an international trailer, and there's not much to see. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It still looks really good, but this new trailer doesn't add much. It's just a lot of the same scenes, just shown in a different order. I can't wait, but if you want a fancy new trailer, look elsewhere. And that reminds me, saying how this trailer is just the same scenes in a different order. Do you guys remember that show dinosaurs and there's that episode where where the the grandma dinosaur loved to watch that show that's obviously a, a spoof on unsolved mysteries and she she asked the the host how do you always get all these mysteries how do you always have new episodes he said well we only have three but we just show them in a different order each time so it looks like a new episode and if you remember if you watched unsolved mysteries they, they would kind of do it but they would only do it when they had an update so they would show the same segment that you saw in a previous episode, but just like, update, we now know more. God, I miss that show. Both of those shows, Dinosaurs and Unsolved Mysteries. I, I would say I loved Unsolved Mysteries more just because it had the potential just to keep going for so long. So there, it's not like there'd be a story that would get boring. It was just more more ghosts, more unsolved murders. And it, it, I think it should come back. But I think it has to come back in either a streaming service or one of the major networks. Because it tried. It tried to come back a couple times. One time, I think Forrest Whitaker was the host. God, was it Forrest Whitaker? Who was it? Of course, Robert Stack hosted the old one. And it's not. It's Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina uh, hosted the new one. But anyway, that's enough for a trip down memory lane. Let's talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It has a final trailer and it still looks good. It also focuses on something that I suspected from the earlier trailers that the other spider people have different animation styles. Miles Morales, Peter Parker, and Gwen Stacy, aka Spider-Gwen, have the have a normal look, while the anime Spider-Man, Spider-Man Noir, and Spider-Ham all have different styles to them. Some people I've talked to about this movie, about the trailers, had a question about how Peter Parker could exist in the universe with Miles Morales, but obviously since they're doing the Spider-Verse, all these universes are coming together, and this final trailer does really push that fact where this Peter, the Peter Parker in this movie comes from a different universe. 
So now we know. We had a trailer for a movie called Ugly Dolls, which is the perfect example of the a lackluster animated movie that uses the music in it as its main selling point. This had some weak idea ripped straight from Rudolph's Island of Misfit Toys. There's this land where ugly dolls live and sing and are happy and do funny things because they're different and unique. But one day, some of them are taken to a place where everything's perfect and they stand out. If you don't know what I mean about lackluster animated movie, take a look at the trailer and you'll notice that more than anything, they push the music. They did the same thing with Trolls and some other movie that came out this year. Uh, I, I, I can't remember now because it's nothing I cared about, but it's sad when an animated movie comes out and this is all they have to offer. The story takes a backseat to original songs, in this case by Kelly Clarkson and Pitbull. Ooh, this fest is set to come out May 10th. And as if it's trying to be the polar opposite of Ugly Dolls, we have a trailer for Missing Link. This is an animated movie featuring the voices of Hugh Jackman, Timothy Oliphant, Zoe Saldana, Zach Galifianakis, and Emma Thompson. Watch this trailer and compare the two. I, honestly, this movie may have easy jokes, uh, but the trailer focuses on the movie, on the story, on the content rather than the original songs. So this showed us what the movie had to offer outside of the soundtrack, and I have to say this film looks a lot better. This has an April 12th, 2019 release date. And ladies and gentlemen, have you seen the Detective Pikachu trailer? Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this, but this looks amazing. If you remember when the movie was announced, how much shit, like the level of shit I talked about this movie. Well, the trailer has proven me wrong. I cannot wait. This is the movie I need in my life as a Pokemon fan. We now know that Ryan Reynolds is the voice of Pikachu. And I really like how they're handling it. Like this guy, this this guy who wanted to become a Pokemon trainer but never did. And I think his father was a cop and got killed or, or so, something and he now has to investigate it. But he can hear this Pikachu actually talking and everyone else still hears Pika Pika. No, like no matter what Pikachu tries to say. The trailer looked funny. I really like the style of animation for the Pokemon and how, how it's obviously animated. It's not trying to be like, like a CG animal, like it's trying to look real, but it looks good enough that it doesn't look weird standing next to a real human. So it doesn't have that fra Who Framed Roger Rabbit feeling or Cool World, if you remember movies like that. So this amazing movie has a May 10th, 2019 release date and of course we have teaser trailers two teaser trailers for toy story 4 uh, there's that the first one where we meet sporky or you know, whatever that weird pipe cleaner spork toy is who swears he's not a toy so i should be here i'm not a toy and runs off and in it we see all the characters except bo peep bo peep who's still supposed to be in the movie even after they change the plot to not be about the search for bo peep apparently they're going on a road trip or something and in the second teaser trailer we hear keegan michael key and jordan peele doing a version of their characters the valets and that one was funny i'm looking forward to this film just because it's pixar i never wanted a toy story 4 i don't think it was necessary but now Pixar's doing another movie, and they, they do good work. They do. What's the worst thing Pixar has ever done? The Cars series. And that was still that was still entertaining, at least, if not good. So there we go. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen, for all the new trailers that I noticed. I skipped a few, uh, so if you think I missed something, still always hit me up. Worst case scenario, I'll go, hey, yeah, I saw that. I just didn't think it was interesting. Or, hey, thanks, I missed it. And I'll talk about it next episode well let us take a first break it is that time of the episode for us to hear a word from our friends at somewhat nerdy radio stay tuned are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture well look no further somewhat nerdy radio is the podcast for you we cover nerd culture news new movie reviews bad movie reviews video games comics with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. And we're back. We are back with the limited releases. This is actually a really good week for movies. We have quite a few movies in the wide releases and interesting indies section. And while the, the pick of the week was easy for me, there are two others that could have been the pick of the week had, this, had the, the pick not come out. 
three movies I really want to see this week and three movies I may try and see in theaters if I have time. I probably won't. I probably only have time for one or two, but if I can, I want to see all three. Well, let's talk about the movies that weren't that interesting, the ones that didn't make it. And the first one is called Nazi Overlord. Gee, I wonder why I didn't make it. A D-Day rescue mission turns ugly when a band of allied soldiers battle with horrific experiments created by the Nazis. This stars Tom Sizemore from Saving Private Ryan. And yes, this sounds just like Overlord. And what we have here is probably a case of something along the lines of what happened with um, Dante's Peak and Volcano. You know, how one studio will find out another is working on a movie that's a lot like theirs, so they try and rush. Though it looks like... Overlord was the better choice because this one looks it looks 100% skippable it looks like it just looks low budget so either this was a low budget movie that just happened to be being made around the same time and released around the same time or someone caught wind that they're doing Overlord and wanted to capitalize on it by making this this shitty looking movie Tom Sizemore's name does not carry the weight it used to and that's sad next up is a movie called South Wind a car thief gets on the wrong side of a crime lord with connections everywhere and he must clear his name if he wants to get out alive. This is a Serbian film. I, I don't think I've ever talked about a Serbian film uh, in the, on the show, but this doesn't look like a good one. This looks like a, a, a sad, soulless recreation of a transporter movie, but without the benefit of Jason Statham. Uh, this looks boring and skippable. Next up, we have The Princess Switch. One week before Christmas, Margaret, the gorgeous Duchess of Montenero, switches places with Stacy, a commoner from Chicago, who looks exactly like her. As the women switch lives for a few days, they both may just find what they've been looking for. This stars Vanessa Hudgens from High School Musical, Vanessa Hudgens from High School Musical, Sam Palladio from Nashville, Nick Sagar from Shadowhunters, and, uh, oh, actually, that's it. My other note here was that this is a Netflix original movie. And even though this didn't make the cut, I I'm going to tell you what, I will watch this movie because it's a new Christmas movie. It's going to be on Netflix and I like Christmas. And Anne brought up an interesting fact, something that I think is 100% true, that this movie would be 100% laughable. 100% laughable if it wasn't a Christmas movie. That there's a lot of people out there, I'm one of them, she's one of them, maybe you're one of them, that are more willing to accept a ridiculous and cheesy plot if it's a Christmas movie, because it's okay if a Christmas movie is ridiculous, if it's cheesy, if it's tongue-in-cheek, if it's been done a million times before. We're a little more forgiving. Just because there are a bunch of, bunch of us, again, I'm one of them, Anne's one of them, who doesn't view Christmas movies with the same critical lens you may view other movies with. Just because when it comes to Christmas movies, it's more about the season. Yeah, this movie may just be the Christmas version of movies like Monte Carlo, Parent Trap, most Olsen Twins movie, New York Minute, Lizzie McGuire movie, anything like that, but it's Christmas, so yay. We have two documentaries. That's two documentaries before we get into the wide releases and interesting indies. Uh, the first one is one called Team Khan. This is a documentary about professional boxer Amir Khan filmed over two years. This follows him and his team in the quest to fight not only the heavyweight champion, but the best boxer on the planet, Floyd Mayweather Jr. And Jesus Christ, I hate that bastard. Oh my God. God, but I, I wish he wasn't that good. But of course, a lot of his more recent fights, I have to ask myself, is he just, is he good or are his opponents just crap? Because if Floyd Mayweather Jr. versus Manny Pacquiao couldn't deliver, if that was boring as shit, then I don't think there's any hope for a for a interesting Floyd Mayweather Jr. fight. But back when I still watched a lot of boxing, there was something I noticed is that the the lower card matches, the matches between the nobodies, those matches that weren't for belts, a lot of times those are more interesting and they would just like plant their feet and slug it out and they, the the matches were more brutal. And sometimes it seemed with the with the main match on the card, it seemed like they were pulling their punches. I know they weren't, but it just seemed like it because it's like, oh, watch the face. I got to do an interview afterwards. I think that's why MMA is more interesting than boxing, just because, yeah, you're going to get the sh** beat out of you, especially if your name is CM Punk. Well, let's move on to the final documentary and the final movie in the limited section, and that is called The Last Race. This is a documentary about a small town stock car racetrack, the drivers who call it home, and the struggle to keep the tradition of racing alive as the world moves on and slowly eats up every small town racetrack in its wake. Can this racetrack survive? Or will the land get sold and developed into yet another mall? 
You know, I get this one. I, I do just because I'm from a small town or smallish town and we have a local racetrack that we've been fighting to keep open for years. seems like every once in a while, like the, the landowners will talk about selling and then there's this huge thing like save the racetrack, save, save Watsonville racing. And I'd always help out. You know, I would, I would sign petitions or I'd go to events or whatever. But what really got me, what really got me with, with, with my local racetrack was one time when a bunch of these rich ass motherfuckers tried to sue the racetrack and tried to get it to close because they the racetrack was too loud but here was the thing these ass built their houses across the street from the racetrack across the fucking street from the racetrack that had already been there for decades and then complained it was too loud it's like really what kind of piece of human garbage are you so maybe I might watch this documentary. I, I don't know. But here's the interesting thing. The same people who would protest a, a local a local monument or a local place being torn down to be developed into businesses are the same people who would shop at those businesses. And I know it. When I was a kid, there was a little patch of land uh, across the street from where my grandpa lived. And uh, it, it was for how for horses and cows or a couple bison there and it was the it was rumored that it was going to be torn down so they could build a shopping center there and people protested said oh i'm never going to shop there never going to i'm never going to be part of this i'm not i'm never going to go to any of those establishments and now decades later it's one of the biggest shopping developments in the town it has a target it has a ross it has a food max and it's always busy and ain't that the truth? Progress is the enemy of small town memories. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's enough, uh, enough of a trip down memory lane for me. Let us take our second break as we hear a word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. So stay tuned and come right back to hear about the wide releases. Here we go. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, we are back. We are back with the first movie that made the cut. And it's a indie movie called Heart Baby. George and Doc are best friends. They've been friends since school and are still friends and even in prison. George becomes an unbeatable boxer in prison with Doc as his corner man. George is offered freedom to fight in the 1984 Olympics, but he turns it down for multiple reasons. One of which is that Doc can't go with him. This stars... Gbenga Akinagbe from The Deuce, Jackson Rathbone from Twilight, and musician Big Frida. Big Frida, who's actually from Louisiana, just like all the other podcasts on this network. I'm the only one that's not. Yay for being different. And I almost didn't put this movie on this side of the list, uh, but there's something about it that got me. This is an interesting story and one that I've never heard of. So we have this guy who learned to box in prison and became this unbeatable boxer and who is offered freedom, offered his freedom to fight in the Olympics. But he turns it down and he turns it down, like I said, in the in the synopsis for multiple reasons. And I believe, though they didn't say it in the trailer, one of those reasons is the fact that he was treated totally unjustly by the system so he got like 40 years i think for breaking and entering or armed robbery or something like that but because of the color of his skin i'm thinking there's more to it than that and then so he he has a big chip on his shoulder so he's like no i'm not gonna i'm basically i'm not gonna go to the olympics and be your puppet for you so this movie will have different different stories going on in it we will have the story of george and doc we will have the story of george boxing we, we will have the story of what happened to them so how they got in prison was it fair was it not and what eventually happens to to them after he he says no to getting out to go to the olympics uh, this looks like a movie to watch at home just like i say a lot i say that a lot when it comes to wide releases these are movies that look good and i i, I fully believe are worth a watch but just not in the theaters i would not go to the theaters to see this even if i got it for free I would much rather wait wait for streaming. And I think that's what you should do too even though this looks interesting heart baby gets a 6.5 out of 11. 
Next up this week is a film called Jonathan. Jonathan leaves the office every day at noon. When he gets home, he goes to sleep. Every morning he wakes up and there's breakfast prepared for him along with a video telling him about the second part of his day. What the other personality living in his body has been up to. This stars Ansel Elgore from Baby Driver, Patricia Clarkson from Easy A, Suki Waterhouse from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and Matt Bomer from White Collar. Here we have another perfect example of a movie just like Heart Baby that looks that looks interesting, looks like it's worth a watch, but not in theaters at all. This is the type of movie you buy it on Blu-ray or DVD in a bargain bin or a Black Friday, or you're just flipping through Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime one day and you're just like, oh, this movie, I heard about this, and you watch it and you're like, okay, fair play. That was interesting. We've seen movies like this before, but none quite like it. If you get what I'm saying, we've seen movies about people with multiple personalities. We've seen movies about people who can't remember their day for some reason. But what interests me about this movie is that we jump right into the middle of it. Like when this movie starts, this guy already knows that he has another personality living in him. This has been part of his life for a while and they already have their routine worked out. They know what they're doing. They know what's up. And the drama comes in, the the story kicks in gear when you find out one of them is breaking the rules. And will that cause the other one to break the rules? And what are the rules? And what are the ramifications of it? And what can one person do to the other? How can you truly stop this other this other person who's inside your body without hurting or hindering yourself? And I think that's how this movie can get really interesting. It also has some good actors and actresses in it. I am not very familiar with Suki Waterhouse, but I know Ansel Elgore, Patricia Clarkson, and Matt Bomer, and they're they're good. And this is this is worth a shot, I believe. If anything, I think this will be about another Matt Bomer movie uh, about no in time, the Justin Timberlake Amanda Seyfried movie. That that one where it's it's not terrible, it's stupid, but it's fun, right? I think that's how Jonathan is going to be. I really do. Jonathan gets a six point five out of eleven. All right, folks, we have four movies left, and this next one is one that I talked about before. I was excited for it. Now it's out, and I think there are better movies, though this is definitely one you should check at home. That movie is called At Eternity's Gate. This is a look at the life of painter Vincent van Gogh during the time he lived in Arles and Auvers-et-Oise. Terrible pronunciation on that. I'm sorry, but... In France. This stars Willem Dafoe from Speed 2, Cruise Control, Oscar Isaac from Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Rupert Friend from Hitman, Agent 47, Mads Mikkelsen from Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and Matthew Amalric from Quantum of Solace. Uh, there's a lot of buzz about this movie already. There's a lot of buzz that uh, this could be Willem Dafoe's Oscar. And you know, there's something that always bothers me, that there are certain times when it doesn't. So the thing that bothers me is that when we have a character who's obviously from a certain country, but they get an American actor to play it who doesn't change their voice, who doesn't even try to do an accent. So that bothers me, and I and I think you, you may even agree with me, or at least see why. You can at least understand where I'm coming from. But the caveat to this, the time where it doesn't, is when it looks like the actor does such a good job that I do not care. So in the trailer for this, it looks like Willem Dafoe does an amazing job. So good, in fact, that while I was watching the trailer, I didn't even care that Van Gogh didn't have an accent. Born in the Netherlands, lived a long time in France, no accent whatsoever, but I didn't care because Willem Dafoe looked amazing in this role. I think this is going to be one of those indie movies that makes a big that makes a big splash in the indie scene that is really good, maybe something like Lady Bird or Fruitvale Station, something that looks really good and that is really good but still doesn't really make it big in the mainstream cinema that your average person wouldn't necessarily know about. So I don't think this is going to be one of those indie films that made that make blockbuster level money. This isn't going to be like Napoleon Dynamite or The King's Speech. But I think this is definitely going to be a movie that will be loved by those who watch it. And I think you should give this a shot. I think you should give it a shot at home because this isn't the type of movie that you need to see in theaters. At Eternity's Gate gets an 8 out of 11. Alright ladies and gentlemen, three movies left now. Three movies and the first movie that I was super excited for, that's not the pick of the week, but could have been, is called Widows. Four criminals are killed, leaving their wives with their debt. Instead of sitting around and playing the victim, the four women step up and fight back. 
that stars Viola Davis from Fences, Michelle Rodriguez from the Fast and the Furious series, Elizabeth Debicki from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Cynthia Erivo from Bad Times at the El Royale, Liam Neeson from Taken, John Bernthal from The Punisher, Robert Duvall from Apocalypse Now, Colin Farrell from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Brian Tyree Henry from Hotel Artemis, and Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out. And you know what? I like this new movement of movies. I do, of badass women. We had Proud Mary, who I believe was played by Tara G.P. Henson, I think. We had Peppermint. And those are just ones from this year. I know there have been ones before, but it seems like all these movies are now coming out almost in the wake of the Me Too movement. I know these were planned before. I mean, they had to be. You can't make a movie movies this good that fast. But how long have we had movies like Taken, like John Wick, where we had some badass guy doing all the like all the killing, and now we have badass women doing it. And movies like this just prove that it does not matter. Like the the gender, the sex of the person doing it doesn't matter if you do it bad ass enough. This movie looks really good, like a mix of a of a crime movie and a revenge film. So this looks like the the child of in a way heat and peppermint, and that really excites me. I think that's a really good idea. So you have this group of women whose husbands had been living this life of crime and then are are killed suddenly. So now they are not only mourning their husbands, but they're also saddled with this debt that these people are going to come and take from them. And they could run, they could they could run and hide, but they're just like, no, we're not going to do it. We're going to step up and we are going to take them on. And the result is what I think looks like a really badass movie. And I think this is something you should definitely watch. And if the next two movies aren't your thing, this is well worth a watch in theaters. The cast alone should sell it for you. The plot alone should sell it for you. Those two things coupled is a surefire hit. Widows gets a 9 out of 11. Uh, Next up is a movie that I know I'm going to see in theaters. Anne really wants to see it because one of her favorite actresses is in it. And I think it looks hilarious. And that movie's called Instant Family. A couple finds themselves in over their heads when they adopt three children. This stars Mark Wahlberg from The Departed, Rose Bine from Insidious, Isabella Moner from Transformers The Last Night, Gustavo Quiroz from Peppermint, Juliana Gamis from East Los High, Octavia Spencer from Hidden Figures, and Tig Notaro from One Mississippi. And I talked about this trailer when it came out and how it looked cute, but also we have one of these, this is a very familiar movie. This is one of those comedies that's also based on a true story, so we have this heart, it's one part heartwarming family drama, another part modern comedy. And the two main people, Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byne, we know are good in both. Mark Wahlberg can do comedy, so can Rose Byne. Mark Wahlberg, we've seen him in The Other Guys and Daddy's Home. Rose Byne, we've seen in Neighbors, Spy, and Bridesmaids. These people know what they're doing. So what we have here is a family-friendly movie. It may be PG-13, but nothing in the trailer makes me think that it's it's going to be too adult for anyone under 13. Let's see, it's rated PG-13 for thematic elements, sexual material, language, and some drug references. So thematic elements... Okay, you know, let's find out what this is. According to the Wikipedia, thematic elements or thematic material is a term used by the Motion Picture Association of America and other film rating boards to highlight elements of a film that do not fit the traditional categories such as violence, sex, drug use, and language, but may involve some degree of objectionable content. That sounds like a lot of bull to me. I, I don't know about you. So sexual material could just be maybe they find a, find a porno mag in one of the kids' rooms or something. Language, obvious. Oh, you know what sexual material could be is if you've seen the trailer, there's that scene where they they find out that the, the eldest daughter has been sexting with this boy. And drug references, we have a teenager, so probably pot. So I don't really, I didn't really see anything in that list that would make it a definite no for, for someone a little younger, maybe not a real little kid, but I think this could be a, maybe, maybe 12 and up, maybe. Cause if you're a responsible parent, you can talk to your kids and go, Hey, look, they had porno mags and they had weed. Here's what you need to know. Here's me being a responsible adult. But if you don't have a family, this could just be a funny movie for you. This has a cast, like I said, that knows what they're doing. Let's even add into the mix Octavia Spencer, Tignataro. They are not, they're not new to comedy. Not at all. Tignataro is actually a stand-up comedian. 
Oh, I didn't also mention Joan Cusack is in this. Joan Cusack is comedy royalty or comedy movie royalty, that is. So this film has all signs pointing to it being a funny dramedy. The other good thing about this is you know if it's not your movie very easily. Maybe you don't like the particular types of movie that Mark Wahlberg and Rosebine do. A lot of people like them. A lot of people don't. So you, you probably know if you're going to enjoy this or not. I think I am. Instant Family. It's an 8.5 out of 11. And with that, it's time for the pick of the week, so say it with me. The pick of the week is called Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. This is a continuing story of Newt Scarmander as Dumbledore asks him to help track down Grindelwald. This stars Eddie Redmayne, Catherine Waterston, Dan Fogler, Allison Sudel, Carmine Jogo, and Ezra Miller from the first movie. Added to the cast is Jude Law from The Talented Mr. Ripley, Johnny Depp from A Nightmare on Elm Street, and Zoe Kravitz from X-Men First Class. And I'm going to be perfectly honest, this movie has had a lot of bad reviews so far. A lot of the early, early words on this are that it's a chaotic mess. But guess what? We've heard that before. Like I always bring up, we've heard that about Wonder Woman. Before that movie came out, a lot of people said it was a mess, it was going to be terrible, but it was, it was DC's best movie to date. That is why I don't pay attention, and I never have really paid attention to early reviews. Because you have a lot of these ass critics who are getting early views of the movie, and who write these, these sh**. Scathing editorials about this about this movie, forgetting that their cold hearts should let a little bit of fun inside of it, and then they just set the tone. So there all so there's so many people out there who can't think for themselves. So many people that won't allow themselves to make up their own fucking mind about a movie. So they listen to these dick bags, and then it it could sink a movie. I don't think anything is gonna sink Fantastic Beasts. Nothing can sink a Harry Potter movie unless. Like there's some really big controversy. And what was the biggest controversy around this one? It was that bullshit about Ninagi being a Nagini. Nagini. That was it. Ninagi, I think, was uh, Red 13's real name from Final Fantasy VII. But the biggest controversy was Nagini being a Asian woman. Everyone's like, oh, a woman of color being owned by a white man. How terrible. Like, go f*** yourself. We have a, we have a dark wizard who murders people like this. This monster who would commit genocide if he could. And you're like, oh, he owns a person. Oh, no. Like, that was it. That was basically the only controversy this movie had going into it. It would take a lot more to sink it. So I think Fantastic Beasts is safe from stupid controversy and it's safe from stupid critics. And why is that? Because it's a movie in the Harry Potter universe and there's so many fans out there who would give anything for a bit more. Worst case scenario, I think this movie is just going to be mediocre. I think that's the worst case scenario. I don't think it's going to be bad at all. I think the worst we can expect is maybe a weak plot. Maybe they don't tie everything together. Maybe there, uh, maybe there are some scenes that they took out that really could have made the story flow together a bit more. I think that's, that's the worst case there. Best case scenario, we have another really enjoyable movie in the Harry Potter universe. And remember, when this movie actually comes out, when real people, not just critics, when real people watch this movie, do not listen to Harry Potter fans about it. Because remember, no one hates a fandom more than the members of that fandom. Like when the new Star Wars movie came out, who hated it the most? Star Wars fans. Whenever a new Doctor and Doctor Who is announced, who, who hates it the most? Doctor Who fans. Fandoms are the worst part of anything, though it can also be the best part because you can also find a lot of people who love the who love what you love. But it can also be the worst part when you, they have this group mentality that anything that changes what we love is terrible. So I think that's what we might run into here. So early on, we're going to have bad reviews from critics who just hate movies. And during the run of the movie, worst case scenario, I think we'll have bad reviews from crazy fans who hate any change to what they love. So remember, if you listen to anyone, listen to me. Follow your heart. What does your heart tell you? I think this is going to be an enjoyable movie. I don't think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be fun. And I think that's what you should expect too. And if you go into this movie expecting that, then I think you will leave happy. And why is this movie the pick of the week when Widows looks like a like a better movie, a better quality movie, or when At Eternity's Gate looks like a better quality movie? It's because this one is the most fun. This one has the most fancy and flashy CG, the stuff that you need a theater for. I mean, I've watched the first Fantastic Beasts movie at home, and it was fine. 
but the big screen makes it better. And that is why this is the pick of the week, despite a better looking movie coming out, or at least a better quality movie coming out. Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald gets a nine out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let us take our final break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast, and we'll be right back with the question of the week. And I'm really glad I asked a question I did because we have some good answers. We really do. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. And we're back with the question of the week. So, of course, I had to repeat the question of the week last week because episode 111, I believe, was oddly cut off. Like, randomly at the end. I, I still don't know how it happened. But yes, it's cut off on the main file, too. It's the weirdest thing. But anyway, the question I had asked had to do with a documentary that came out about greatness. So my question was, who do you think should be featured or who, who would you like to see featured in a documentary about greatness? So let's start with Brian Q, who was the first to answer. He said, who would I would like to see interviewed? He said, fictional character, Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> My God, that is great. I would love to see an interview with Conan the Barbarian. That would be f***ing amazing. I need that in my life. Um, he goes on to say, dead person, Antoni Gaudi, I think G-A-U-D-I, who is, thanks to the internet, a Spanish architect from Catalonia. He is the best known practitioner of Catalan modernism. And just that quick Google search showed some amazing stuff. Like I'm looking at a picture of the, the Sagrada Familia, which according to this website called The Art Story, is his most famous and most controversial building. One of the tallest and largest churches in the world. Oh wow, and he died before it was even complete. It was about 20% complete when he died. He was um, officially appointed to it in, in 1884. He died in 1926 after being, hit, I believe, hit by a bus, it said. And then he says, alive today, Edmund Kemper and Jesus Christ. And you know, I have to say, I didn't specify which definition of greatness I meant because Edmund Kemper is a serial killer. And you know what? I, I don't know if he did this on purpose. I really don't, but he's from my area. He was born a little, uh, about a couple hours drive north of me, but when he was caught, uh, it was apparently in the County I live in. So he's an American serial killer who murdered 10 people, including his paternal grandparents and mother. He regularly engaged in necrophilia and claimed to have consumed the flesh of at least one of his victims, but was later retracted, but he later retracted this confession. How f***ed up would that be? So you're watching this documentary on greatness and then we have, okay, well, here's, um, here's Jerry Rice and now here's President Obama. Uh, and then we go on to, well, here's a great serial killer, folks. Jesus Christ. So, Mr. Kemper, what was the secrets to your success in uh, being a serial killer? Well, I found that not getting caught was a, was a big part of it. Thank you, Brian Q. Thank you, as always, for your answers. And we have an answer from Frat Matt. He says, Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman, unfortunately, not with us anymore. He was a professional American football player in the NFL who left his the, his sports career to enlist in the United States Army after the in the aftermath of the September 11th attacks. He joined the Army Rangers and uh, served several tours, but unfortunately died two years after after he joined at the age of 27. And you know what? I agree. That would be that would be a great person to feature in a documentary about great people. 
someone who fought for what he believed in and paid the ultimate price. Unfortunately, he paid the price via friendly fire. But can you believe it? I, I, I don't even know how I'd react if, if one of my family members or, or someone I knew joined the military in, in a time of war, during, during a time where we were, we were scared and we wanted to find out who attacked us. We wanted to get to the bottom of everything. And then he dies, but not, not due to the enemy. But uh, of course, Brian Q, Fratmat, thank you for your answers. Anne doesn't have an answer this week because I wouldn't allow her to have her cat Bruno as the answer. So it's time for my answer. And I, since I'm a cheating bastard, I'm going to do two. I'm going to do two picks. The first I'd like to see is uh, President Jimmy Carter. And not because of his presidency, but because of like who he is and all the work he does to help people. And because I, I think that's what's great. Like using your power, using your talents to help people. And I think it's great how he's dedicated his life to that ever since he got out of the presidency. And for someone a little more modern, okay, you're going to laugh, but, but bear with me, Guy Fieri. Because as, as we're recording, the, there are fires burning in California, and Guy Fieri is already in Butte County, and he's, he's cooking. He's using his own funds and his own time, and he's getting other chefs and other celebrities and other people, all and normal people too, all getting these people to volunteer to help feed the firefighters. And he's not even posting all about it. He's like, oh, look what I'm doing. I'm doing great. No, he's not saying, he's hardly saying anything about it besides things like, hey, please come help. Uh, most of the people singing his praises are like the Butte County Sheriff's Department and like other celebrities and other people are talking about how great it is. Uh, this is not the first time he's, he did it. Uh, couple, like the last big groups of fires that happened in California beside, before this one, he did he did uh, a thing where he fed the firefighters. During that, that big shooting in Las Vegas, he flew over and did, a, and did a charity cooking event for the first responders there. Like whenever something big happens, whenever there's tragedy, he, you know, he shows up and he helps out and he doesn't make a big deal of it. He helps people. And I think that is amazing. And it's, it's easy to make fun of him for his hair and for the fact that he's like, oh, I'm the mayor of Flavortown. But I think he's truly a great person. One of my friends actually met him. One of my friends was at Laguna Seca when there was this race, this big race going on. And he just happens to see Guy Fieri. So he approaches him going, I, I'm sorry to bother you, but just want to say, I, I think you're great. And he turns around and just starts chatting with him. And all these other people come over, want to meet him. And he, he, and he had time for all of his fans. So it, it, it shouldn't matter what you think about his shows or his cookbooks or anything like that. It, it should matter that he's a good person. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for that question of the week. Let us get on to the next question that we'll answer next week. And hopefully you'll have seen this one coming. What's your favorite Stan Lee cameo? That's it. It's simple. Let's, let's remember what for a lot of people was their favorite part of the Marvel movies. Which Stan Lee cameo was your favorite? Well, that is it for episode 113 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Let us wrap this up. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as a somewhat nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars. And then leave a comment and tell me what you think. Tell me what you think I'm doing right. Tell me what you think I need to improve on. And then share the podcast. Help us grow. Then how do you reach me? Great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Hit me up on Instagram at BilliamSWN. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts. Also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, great friends of the show. Also check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.